as scary as it is to, you know, DM someone on LinkedIn, on Facebook, you know, give them a cold email, just do it because you don't know how that person can impact your next step. They can either vouch for you or provide so many resources, that sort of support, or even a contact whomever, or just guidance and knowing that you're not alone. Welcome to Plot Twist, the podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Page. I'm a recovering reporter turned podcaster, here to share the plot twists in people's lives and their motivational stories that will inspire us all to live life to the fullest. I'm so excited for today's episode. I had such a fun conversation with Alexandra Elich Burr. She was in the TV news business, then pivoted to public relations like I did. So we really bonded over our shared experiences. Currently, Alexandra is the communications officer of the 2.0 Collective. It's a company that focuses on career customization with the ultimate goal of democratizing career advancement. She also continues to be an on-camera host and journalist. Additionally, she's an account lead for a tech PR agency that includes well-known tech companies and unicorn startups. Frustrated by the lack of career resources for women, Alex started a women's professional networking group called Network Queen that has grown to hundreds of members since its inception. So you could say that Alex stays pretty busy. If you're going through the transition of changing jobs or switching careers but feel hesitant to do so, this is the episode for you. Alex has so many great nuggets of advice she shares. She talks about the importance of networking and gives tips on how to be successful at it. There is definitely fear in the unknown and Alex acknowledges this and talks about how to overcome those fears. During our conversation, we did use some news lingo, so if you hear us say package, that's just what we call a news story, the longer stories that have the reporter's voice and a few interview clips packaged together. We also talk about TV markets, which is how big the viewing area is. So New York is market one, while a smaller city like North Platte, Nebraska is market 209. you're ready then we'll get started yeah it's so weird to be on like the other side of an interview it feels like just feels different I don't know I'm sure you have the same like thought how it's oh yeah every every time I get interviewed like there now that I'm a podcaster I don't just have my podcast but I'm supposed to go on other podcasts to promote myself and I haven't done that yet I'm so nervous because I'm always used to the one being the interviewer not the interviewee And it's so funny because I never understood, you know, especially like for doing a package or whatever, if, you know, you tell people, oh, it's pre-recorded. And so you don't like understand why they're nervous. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm sweating. What is wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. And thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I'm so excited to talk to you. So we do have similar backgrounds. So we both wanted to be journalists since we were little. We mm-hmm. went out and did it. And then plot twist, we decided to change careers. So I'll first have you talk about your time as a journalist. So what inspired you to first want to be a journalist? Oh, gosh. I have wanted to be a journalist since I want to say even elementary school. It was, this is going to sound so corny, but I truly felt like it was a calling. I loved to write. I loved to talk to people. I loved to just be involved, even at a young age, in my community. And so it was one of those things where my skill set just kind of fit with it. Actually, a teacher has suggested it to me. They were like, oh, you should do, you know, our 
TV program. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. And just absolutely fell in love with it. So ever since basically elementary school, everything that I had done had just worked up to that career. It was the getting internships as young as possible and even missing, you know, holidays for that. It was the, as you know, moving to, you know, itty bitty towns, being paid pennies to just follow your dreams and go for it. So it was always my long-term plan. I would have like my little 10-year plan to be like, oh, I'll be two years in this market, two years in this market. And then eventually I'll be able to help people, you know, around the country. And, you know, and I'm sure we'll get into it later, but it became my identity. And that becomes really scary when you do do a major switch or you kind of have to sit with yourself and realize who actually am I without this career? But yeah, it's been my dream for as long as I can remember. I always used to watch the news as a kid and just think the, you know, the women journalists were just so smart and articulate and really making a difference in the community. So I was just instantly attracted to that and wanted to pursue it my entire adolescence, pretty much. I can relate to your story so much, especially the identity thing. I I felt like it was my identity. It was so hard to leave, which, yeah, we'll get into that because that's a really tough part, I think, for a lot of journalists. But talk a little bit about your journey as a journalist, because I know journalists tend to move around a lot. Like you said, usually every two years you're moving, you're kind of going up the markets. So talk about where did you get started? Yeah. So my gosh, um, my senior year of college, when everyone else was going to you know Mexico for spring break, I'm like, I got to go do interviews. I need to have a job right When I graduate, which I would not advise people if you have the ability and, you know, if you're privileged enough, take take some time. But that's neither here nor there. But my first job was as a multimedia journalist in South Bend, Indiana. I want to say. Oh, I've heard. I heard a lot of people start there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great because I'm from the Chicagoland area originally. So it's kind of like the perfect distance from home. It was about 90 minutes, so I could still go visit. It's in a college town where Notre Dame was. I actually knew people going to grad school there. So well, that's nice. It, yeah, it kind of felt like like a job grad school almost. Yeah, but, you were still close to people. You didn't go like halfway across the country. Right, right, which was such – I had family in Indiana too, so it really worked out. I was very, very lucky. Um, and as you know, being a multimedia journalist, I mean, you were doing everything yourself. You're shooting, writing, editing – multiple stories a day on very tight deadlines, having to, you know, post to the website. And although in those small markets, you know, it's easier to sort of allow yourself to make a mistake because, you know, the the viewership isn't as much, but the pressure is so, so intense because, you know, you're this 22 year old who doesn't really know what they're doing and you're having to go on live TV. And if you, you know, make a mistake, you could, you know, now go viral. So it's a, it's a lot of pressure. I learned a lot and was so grateful for the opportunity. I was um, the morning show reporter there. So as you know, waking up at 3 a.m. every day, literally going to bed at 7 p.m. My friends used to make fun of me working weekends, working holidays, but none of that deterred me. The goal in my mind, again, sort of going back to adolescence, I was so hyper-focused and it was so much a part of me that it was like, there's no other option. Like I'm, I'm waking up at 3 a.m. So did that for two years and knew it was time to move on. Being the morning show reporter, it was uh, kind of taking a, a lot on just my, my physical health as well. 
well waking up that early and just wanted to, you know, progress in my career. So I knew I wanted to come to Charlotte, always fell in love or always knew I loved the area and got really lucky at 24, moved to Charlotte. And I got just so I networked a ton. So I was very, the timing just worked out. The universe or whatever was in my favor and got a Monday through Friday schedule was the primetime reporter. So the evening shows. Wow. Yeah. That is a good shift. Wow. Oh my gosh. I was like, no weekends. Like I just, that's amazing. I I got so beyond lucky. It was, I got, I had a photographer. So it was kind of, you know, looking back a very, you know, cushy second job. And I get questions a lot about that too, from journalists, like, why would you leave that? And, you know, again, we can kind of get into that as as we go on, but it was, I'm so grateful for my time there. I was the evening reporter, was able to host my own segment called Hidden Gems and sort of move my way up to anchoring as well. They had a show there that was sort of an, an evening talk entertainment show that I was able to dabble with too. So just had a phenomenal experience there. Was there about five years and fell in love with Charlotte, met my now husband in Charlotte. Although we're both from Chicago, we just felt like Charlotte was home. And, you know, when you pick TV news and you realize you love a community, you almost get punished for it in a way because the expectation is, oh, you're going to keep moving up markets, yada, yada, and keep, you know, um, raising your income. You're going to keep, you know, moving up the ladder. But if you pick a market and a station that you love, a lot of people usually love it too, and they don't leave. So positions don't really open up. So your ability to sort of progress your career and move forward just gets really hindered. And I kind of, that was a little bit of, of my breaking point. I loved my station. I loved my coworkers and loved being a journalist, but it was time for something different. So I kind of had an interesting path in that regard where really, I feel like a lot of journalists will do a couple markets, but really I, I only had two and knew it was sort of time for a shift, but about eight years in total in the business. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was only in two markets as well. I was in Sioux Falls, South Dakota for almost five years because I felt the same thing. I fell in love with the community and I didn't want to leave, but I dragged my husband out there when we were just dating. Then we got married and he really wanted to come home to Colorado. So we finally came home. But yeah, I, I totally get that. So did you feel like since you'd been there so long, do you feel like you kind of plateaued or like you weren't growing anymore? Yes, that is exactly the reason why. To me, I got to the point where I had, you know, my bag of sources. I had good story ideas. I could write a package in in my sleep there. And so, and it wasn't, again, I had loved my station. I had nothing but, you know, positive things to say and a fabulous experience, but I wasn't growing anymore. I wasn't learning new skills. There was no fire under me. I didn't feel excited to wake up. And now I'm not of the school of thought that, you know, your job needs to be your end all be all. I should say now I don't think that way, but you know, I just wasn't feeling excited anymore. And especially after the pandemic, like so many people, it made me step back and think, okay, well, I'm I'm covering these, let's say a storm, for example, where I feel a little bit unsafe maybe. And that was a big catalyst. My anxiety and mental health really was not good during the pandemic to the point where my fiance, now husband at the time, would leave to go run an errand. And I would just sit there and worry because I would think, oh, is a stray bullet going to hit him? Is he going to get in a rollover accident? Because as you know, as journalists, you're seeing those horrific things all the time that it becomes so regular to you. You think that's like 
normal and it's yeah. not or else you wouldn't be covering it. So my anxiety, every time he or a loved one would leave to go do something simple skyrocketed. And I was like, okay, something's not right here. I need to like get my mental health right. I need to understand why I'm feeling so anxious. So really the lack of me feeling just complacent and my mental health were really the two catalysts. Yeah, I can totally relate to that because even though there aren't shootings every day or murders every day or, you know, all these things happening every day, when you're covering it, you feel like it's happening all the time. So I completely get that. And then with COVID too, just, you know, adding that to the mix, I totally felt stressed out all the time, anxious. I feel like now that I've been out of news for a while, that's starting to go away. But yeah, yeah, that was definitely there when I was in news. Well, that makes me feel better too, because I'm still sort of, I've been out for about, gosh, like four, almost five months now. So I'm still sort of grappling with that. Um, And also, I'm sure you had the same thing. Every single Thanksgiving up until, I mean, this coming year, I've spent working and Black Friday working and Christmases. And of course, there's so many jobs that have to do that, you know, first responders, and we're so grateful for them. And, you know, but I got to a point where it's like, why am I doing this anymore? Like for, for what, why am I missing these important times with my family when COVID proved life is so fleeting and, you know, anything can happen is, is this really, this career really worth it? Now, don't get me wrong. I think being a journalist is one of the most incredible privileges in the world to be able to inform your community and just be able to help people by informing them and and really be able to tell the stories of those who can't tell it for themselves. But, you know, if it's at the expense of, like I said, your mental health or your family, it just, you you really have to just rethink those priorities. Yeah. And I actually, I've been out for about four or five months too. So can totally relate to that. This is going to be my first Thanksgiving. I get five days off and I'm right? just it's like, wild. what? <laughs> You're like, what do I, even for 4th of July, they, my, um, where I work right now, they were like, oh yeah, you, you have Monday, Tuesday off. We're just going to give you guys the rest of the week off. I'm like, what? What, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, what is this? It's just so, such a foreign feeling. Yeah. A whole different world. <laughs> right. Seriously. And so once you decided to leave, what did you decide to do? Yeah. So that was, I mean, I feel like that's kind of half the battle. And what, if there's any current newsies right now listening who want to take the leap, but think their skills won't be transferable, I'm going to tell you, you are wrong. You have one of the most valuable skill sets I consider in, in, in the modern world that'll always be needed. So for me, it was really, I kind of figured that maybe I was going to leave the industry about a year before I left. So I really knew I was going to kind of take that year and just explore. I was going to network a ton with other people, other people who had left news to figure out, hey, what did you do that you liked and didn't like? And just meeting new people in the community. And I actually met where I sort of have two jobs. I'm the chief communications officer of a future of work software as a service startup here in town. And then also sort of my like day job is I work at a public relations agency. 
So it was really finding a career where one, I could use my communication skills first and foremost, not only writing, but, you know, presenting, executive communications, things like that. A lot of strategy too, and sort of knowing how a journalist thinks. How can I sort of capitalize on this skill set? So with the startup I was working with, you know, I met the CEO about a year back and she brought me on and really I handle all the communications arm of the company. So PR, marketing marketing, internal comms, external comms. We're pretty small right now, but really able to be flexible in the skill set that I have, which is a huge, I'm so grateful for because it's allowing me sort of in real time to figure out what I really enjoy and what I don't enjoy. So, and then with my job that I have now, it's all tech PR. So we have really just high profile tech companies, unicorn startups that are our clients. And, you know, that's everything from determining the strategy of messaging to outreach, to a lot of writing, to even spokesperson opportunities, you know, on behalf of a client. So just um, wanted to find something where I wouldn't really be pigeonholed and could kind of try new things in this sort of new season of life and see what gets me excited again. Yeah, because I feel like in news, it's a different story every day, but it's kind of the same formula every day is what I've learned because being out of news, I'm in school communications and there's just so many different things that you're doing every day. So it's cool to see how our skills can transfer in all these different ways. Totally. And even just being under pressure, for example, and having a deadline. I didn't realize how being so deadline oriented would be such a valuable skill because when I, you know, get something on my desk from our CEO and I need to like, you know, have an all hands with my team or something. I mean, I'm the kind of person who wants to have it right now when the deadline is, you know, that night. But for, you know, people who haven't maybe been in that sort of environment, it's like, hey, this can like take a few days and that's okay. You don't have to just like, speed it up and it doesn't have to be done ASAP. So it's a, you know, a a double-edged sword, but I think that in itself has just been such a major skill set that's been able to sort of propel me in this next chapter too. Yeah. It's nice to have time to work on stuff. Cause at first that's how I felt. I felt like I had to get everything done in one day. And my boss was like, no, like you get a whole month to do this. I'm like, oh. (laughs) And it's right. and And you're like, wow, this is how, you know, I hate to use the word normal, but you know what I mean? This is how non-news people function. It's just, it's very refreshing because there's just so, like you said, there's so much pressure with news and it, it's like, it's a good stress though sometimes, but other times it's like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'd rather just be able to kind of do this at my own pace. And there's a lot of journalists that are looking to leave. You know, they want to try something different, but they're super scared. I know I was terrified. So what's your advice to people who are scared to take that leap? My advice would just be surround yourself with a lot of support. Because like we talked about earlier TV news becomes so much a part of your identity. I struggled a lot with sort of people's reaction to, to be honest with you, to leaving the business. People being like, well, you have this great career. Like, why would you want to leave this? And it's, they still think it's so glamorous. And, you know, everyone has their idea of what TV news is. And you and I know it's usually the opposite of what people think. I had to find a group and especially leaned on my friendships, my husband, who were just really supportive and also mentorship. Part of sort of my journey from about two years ago, I started a women's professional networking group here in Charlotte called Network Queen, just because I realized that 
there weren't just a lot of resources, particularly for women, just in the Charlotte community to network. It was very niche groups, like women in business, women in whatever. Um, There wasn't really a safe, more casual space for all women to come together and just, you know, either vent or talk to people in other fields if they might be sort of a diverse professional and a multi-interested or multi-interest person. So I just saw that was a big need in Charlotte and created this group. And it's grown to hundreds of members within like a year and a half. Oh, wow. Um, We have events every couple months and we ticket the events and and charge for a ticket, but all 100% of the proceeds go to a charity that aligns with Network Queen. So for example, usually we'll donate to Carolina Breast Friends, uh, Breast Cancer Research or Safe Alliance. They help survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. But in, in creating this community, what I realized was not a lot of people have that mentorship and networking is really scary if you're not a super extroverted person. My advice would just be as scary as it is to, you know, DM someone on LinkedIn, on Facebook, you know, give them a cold email, just do it because you don't know how that person can impact your next step. They can either vouch for you or if it's, you know, a former newsie like ourselves who now are in this new chapter and someone wants to get out too, we could provide so many resources, that sort of support or even a contact whomever or just guidance and knowing that you're not alone. So just surrounding yourself with mentors and people who get it and just like-minded individuals is really my biggest advice. And just to not... It's so scary. I mean, I I don't know if you went through this too, but leading up to signing my offer letter with my current roles and realizing that I was going to get out of news, I mean, I cried every day. Like it was almost like I was mourning um, someone dying. And in a way you're mourning this chapter of your life and it's, you know, allow yourself to go through those emotions and like give yourself, cut yourself some slack that you're going to get out the other side. But it's just, it's so scary when, this one identity that you thought was going to be your forever and you thought was going to be you just isn't. And then you have to figure out who you are. But if you have that support and that mentorship, you'll be just fine. That is such a good way to describe it. It is like you're you're mourning this part of your life that you thought was going to be there forever. I -hmm. kind of thought of it almost like a breakup. Yeah. Like it almost... Not to, you know, I feel bad even making this analogy, but it's almost like an abusive relationship in a, in a interesting way, because, you know, in news, you, you keep a lot of people justify it. That's what I've heard from a lot of, you know, women in particular who have reached out to me. They're like, you know, maybe it'll get better. This happened. My manager's treated me this way, or I'm feeling this way, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And it's like, nothing's worth your mental health. And maybe I should, shouldn't have used that analogy, but you know what I mean? I can't think of any other sort of analogy to describe it, but it's just going back to maybe something that's not serving you anymore and so unhealthy. And you have to mourn that because it's such a bit, you give up so much for it. You gain a lot, but you also give up your like normal hours. You give up time with your family. You give up, you know, your savings sometimes. I mean, it's a demanding job. hundred percent. So it's, it's just, there's so many emotions that go along with it. And something that I also struggled with when I left was imposter syndrome when I did start my new job. So is that something that you've struggled with and how have you gotten past that? 
100%, particularly, you know, with the startup I'm working with, you know, sort of leading people and being able to have the sense of like, I know what I'm doing and people looking to you for stuff and being able to help in any way possible. It's scary. And I still definitely have imposter syndrome. And even with, you know, my, my other role in public relations, there are times when I feel like I'm asking the dumbest questions and that's not true. There's no such thing because worst case scenario, you're just sort of clarifying and that's always good. So everyone's on the same page. But in terms of imposter syndrome, I've just used a lot of, I try to be mindful of how I talk to myself and just really work on self-talk. Like for example, instead of if I make a mistake, like, wow, Alex, you're so stupid. Or that was such an blah, blah, blah. Just be like, I'm learning. I'm literally sort of starting over from ground zero. And again, acknowledge the bravery in doing that. And then just cut yourself some slack. It doesn't have to be perfect. You still have a transferable skill set. And always hindsight's 2020, of course, but you think of even when you first started in news and how you had that feeling of, oh my God, I can't even white balance. I, you know, don't even, I'm stuttering on this like live shot, how embarrassing. Two months later, you know, you're nailing it or getting better. Always with time, it, it's going to get better. And again, if you feel like you have that imposter syndrome and you can't get out of it, finding, you know, good friends, good mentors who you can sort of talk it out with and you let let them know how you're feeling and be honest and open. That in itself, just being honest with those feelings has helped me a lot just to be like, okay, I'm feeling this way, but I got it out. We're going to move on. And things are going to get better because I'm a hard worker and I've done, you know, A, B, and C in my life thus far. I've gotten through these trials and tribulations. I can get through this too. And I think it helps talking to other people because they feel the same way. And sometimes you feel like you're the only one who's struggling. So it helps to know that you're not alone in all of this. Oh, totally. Well, even I know, you know, the Facebook groups, for example, I know we're a part of the TV to PR Facebook group. And even seeing, you know, those women being so brave and sharing their stories. And sometimes, you know, I'll read something and be like, oh my God, I, I, I felt that exact same way. And just knowing you're not alone in that, let's be honest, no one knows what they're doing at the end of the day. I mean, literally CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, like, yeah, maybe they have it figured out now, but like no one really knows what they're doing. Even the people highest up, we're all just trying our best. So as long as you know that you try your best every single day and that, you know, you're working on it, everyone's a work in progress. No one's perfect. Give yourself some grace. You're, you're going to be fine. Fake it until you make it is what I always try to tell myself. (laughs) That is, you know what, a really good, um, I always like to sort of dress for the job I want, not the job I have as I wear, you know, sweatpants right now. I know this isn't being like the video recorded. It's a podcast. Um, yeah, Yeah. But you know, like it's, it's so funny. That's actually helped me a lot with even confidence in terms of just, you know, putting on a good outfit and, and feeling, you know, that I, not even that I look great, but like, I like what I'm wearing. I, I feel powerful. I feel like I can take on anything and it's just really been, I don't know, awesome for me. Yeah. I think that's good advice. Cause you just feel more confident when you're dressed up. You just kind of feel more ready to take yeah. on the day. Yeah. 100%. And you know, even like we were talking about before in terms of just having a community and mentors, especially for women, you know, it's, we're always taught, you know, put your head down, like work really hard in school, for example, like 
put your head down, get straight A's, like that stuff will be rewarded. You know, you'll go to a good college, have a good life. And we both know that's not how the real world works. A lot of the times you have to ask for what you want. You have to be put in situations that are uncomfortable to sort of, you know, move up or advocate for yourself. And that in itself, it gives so much imposter syndrome because it's like, oh, well, you know, am I worthy of this raise or this role or whatever? And it's like, no, you have to ask for what you want. And again, advocate for yourself and what you deserve. And if you ever feel uncomfortable with that, just finding that support system, those mentors who have been through it and can walk you through it is just so, so valuable. Yeah, I think it's so amazing that you've created a community for women. And I've always heard it's not what you do, but it's who you know. So I think that's so helpful. And it's cool that it's not just, you know, like a niche. It's it's any woman who wants to meet other women and learn from them. And it's, it's cool to see them, the different paths coming together. And I imagine totally. you can learn a lot from that. Oh my gosh, 100%. Even at the first event we did, you know, we had a banking executive there with an artist and they started talking and you know, what I what I've learned through creating this community is so many people are, you know, PR professional slash artist slash, you know, whatever. A lot of people are, have different interests. They want to explore other things. Maybe they want to start their own company and having the resources to do that. Like you said, it is all about who you know. So if you meet someone who can put you in touch with someone who might be able to help you or someone you might be able to help. And that was the instance at the first event. I saw so many women from different fields interacting, getting contact information and finding value in those relationships, whether it was, you know, a gym owner saying, I do not know how to market my gym, meeting a marketing professional. And they sort of were able to connect that way. And I like to keep the events a little more casual because I networking events can be so like buttoned up and scary. It's like, no, we're all women here. And I even encourage, you know, stay at home moms, women identifying people to come. Like we, we cover the gamut because having people in your corner to just advocate for you is so important. Yeah. I just started going to networking events. So I think it's so important. I just, I never realized and I was nervous too, because you're going to these events, you don't know anyone, but it has been so helpful. Like yesterday I did a zooming network event for women in podcasting. So there's something for everyone. Yeah. It's amazing. Totally. And I think where people freak out about networking is it seems super like self-serving, like, oh, hey, stranger, can you do me this like massive favor, even though you've never met me or anything? And the thing is, what I've come to realize, everyone wants to pay it forward because likely there has been someone in that person's past that's been able to help them out or give them advice or give them a contact, whatever it may be. And they want to pay it forward too. And then the cycle just keeps continuing. And if anyone too, you know, ever needs networking advice, like my DMs are totally open. I have women asking me all the time, like, hey, how should I approach this? How should I write this email? And, you know, happy to to help totally free. Obviously it's just, it's such a, it's definitely a learned skill. It's not something you just like, Oh, like let's network. It's something you have to work on and practice and kind of perfect in your own way. Yeah. It does definitely feel awkward at first, but after a while, it's a lot of fun and you get to meet new people, possibly make new friends. Yeah. Find like interesting stories too. And like meet like really cool people. It's, it's awesome. There's, it's so beneficial all around. Yeah. And I'll leave your contact information in the show notes then for anyone who's interested in getting in contact with you. 
Yes, that would be great. I I am an open book. Like we, the network queen Instagram account that I have, I always say in a post, like if you have any questions, you need advice, just like slide in my DMs. Like I will help you out. I just think again, so many people helped me with even this transition, for example. I mean, I think I had 150 networking calls with just different professionals trying to pick their brain about, you know, whether it was former newsies who went to corporate or, you know, whatever their journey was, or just, you know, people whose careers I admired. I would literally just send them a message on LinkedIn, find their email and do some research and you just ask for a quick 10, 15 minute phone call. And I'm telling you, 99% of them were so receptive. And I just thank them for sort of being able to make this transition today because that was a sense of support too, knowing, again, like you said, you're not alone. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to just reach out. It can be scary or you feel like you're bothering them, but they want to help you because my dad was on a podcast. So I asked him if he would get me in contact with the woman so that I could talk to her about podcasting. And so I ended up getting on the phone with her, learning so much. So it, all it takes is one phone call and it can help you out. It helps them out. So it's a win-win situation. Totally. And I'm sure you'll have that relationship forever. Like she'll probably be so, you know, like proud to see you doing this and like to living out your dream and that advice. So it's, it's also, I'm sure beneficial, you know, in that way, even people that like I've mentored to see them succeed and thrive is just the best feeling on earth. It's so cool. Well, I know we talked a lot about your journey and about what you've learned, but if you can sum up what you learned from your plot twist, how would you kind of sum up in maybe one or two sentences your biggest lesson from all this? Oof. Take a bet on yourself. Don't be afraid to do it because the worst thing that happens is it doesn't work out. And even if it doesn't work out, it's not wasted time. You tried it. You were able to say, okay, that's not for me. And then you can try something else. Because I think too, and I know you said one to two sentences, but just- Oh, no, you're fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm long-winded if you you haven't noticed already. Um, but is just, people just get debilitated with fear. I mean, that's how I felt. I'm sure you felt the same way before leaving news too. Because it's like, it's your comfort zone, even if it's this, you know, interesting, cool job. But just sort of- stepping outside the box and saying, well, what can happen? You know, even I can speak from my transition, you know, it was rough at first and there was a lot of emotions, but I'm the happiest I've ever been. And now I'm realizing because I took this leap, I'm more marketable. I'm where I want to be personally, professionally, and also some other opportunities are coming my way that I never thought were possible. And sort of my dreams are happening because I sort of took this uncomfy step and this sort of leap of faith rather than just staying where I was comfortable. So it's all worth, it's all worth it no matter what. And, you know, again, you're your only advocate for yourself. So you need to just bet on yourself if you're able and take a leap because I mean, life is short YOLO. I mean, <laughs> we got to bring YOLO back. I, I exactly. think it's so true. <laughs> I, know, I feel like I'm aging myself. Like, YOLO. A Gen Z would never say that. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a good saying though. <laughs> exactly. It's just, but it's so true. Like, you know, what's, especially news, you know, is so, again, for like our cases, they're so, the, the talent gap is so wide in news. So if you have that experience, you can always go back to that industry. You know, you, you can't make opportunities come again. So that was sort of how I viewed it is you can always go back to your comfort zone if you want, in most cases. 
So why not just try something? And, you know, if you have to go back with your tail between your legs, that's okay. Yeah. And that's exactly why I started this podcast because I was so nervous to leave and I I was very emotional about it. And then once I left, started to get a few months into my job, felt comfortable. It feels silly now with how stressed out and scared I was because everything has worked out so well and it was the best decision I've ever made. But at the time, you don't see that. So I'm Mm -hmm. hoping by interviewing people like you, we can convince people it's okay. It's yeah. The grass is going to probably be greener on the other side. And if it's not, like you said, you could always go back to that comfort zone. 100%. And I think, and I feel like we can relate so well on this level too. Like I sort of have viewed my life after news as just like trying everything I've always wanted to try. Like for example, like your podcast, like this is incredible. You're actually doing this and you probably, I'm assuming wouldn't have had the time or the bandwidth while you were yeah, in news. I, yeah, I would not. So, cause I, right. I always wanted to be a, a YouTuber and yeah. then I got this idea for the podcast, but yeah, I would not have had time to do this. So it, it's opened so many doors for me, trying something new, leaving news. So yeah, best decision I've ever made. Yeah, 100%. And it just allows you to find out, you know, who, you know, Miranda is, who Alex is, like beyond being a reporter. And it's like, I realized, wow, I'm actually a really good leader. I love being involved in my community. I'm now getting, you know, some on air work, like regardless, just to kind of scratch that itch a little bit, some storytelling, get to, you know, be a part of a rapidly growing startup, learn some new skills. Just it's, it's kind of just trying new things and seeing what sticks. And it's so exciting. It's like, you feel like a kid again. It's like, wow, I get to, you know, try that thing that I said I always wanted to be when I grew up. Now for me, it was, you know, classic marine biologist. So I guess I'm not like, I feel like everyone wanted to be a marine biologist. I was going to say, that is so crazy because that's what I wanted to be, but I wasn't good at science or math. So I gave up on that and went the journalism route. But that is so crazy because that was going to be my career path if it wasn't for journalism. I'm telling you, I think anyone from ages 25 to like 33 at some point wanted to be a marine biologist. I don't know what it was, but no, 100%. I went to, we went snorkeling on my honeymoon and my husband was like, Oh my God, we finally get to live out our dreams of being a marine biologist. It's like, finally. But it's just so, it's such an exciting time to just try these things and see them be successful and come to fruition. And I personally believe everything happens for a reason. I firmly believe that. No one, you know, not maybe that's just what I tell myself to make these like life altering decisions and, and be okay with it. But you know what? I've, it's, it's proved true in my life thus far and I'm sticking to it. But just have, you know, have faith in yourself that you can kind of, that you can do it. Yeah. I think having that positive attitude really helps. The one thing that I had to do to really convince myself to leave news because it was so emotional was I got into doing affirmations. And so every day I would, I had like a list of like 10 affirmations and I didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily believe them, but I would say them every day until I got to the point where I finally did believe them. Yeah. No, it totally works. And also something that I literally have it in my office here, attitude of gratitude like that. I love that. Being just grateful for even because not a lot of people have the ability to just like switch careers and have that support or have the ability to even give news a try. I mean, it's a very, you know, privileged career. So just having that gratitude of 
you know, you have, you're lucky enough to just have options to have a, a good skill set that you can capitalize on and figure out what makes you happy because not a lot of people get that. So just being being grateful has really helped me even when I've been just unsure of myself or unsure of the next steps. It's like, no, okay, I've, I'm grateful to even be feeling this way because it means I have options and there's maybe an exciting path forward. So that's always helped me a lot too. Yeah, gratitude was actually my word of the year. So I choose a word every year and I focus on that. So I yeah. Love that. Yeah. Cool. What was your word last year? Uh positivity. Love it. Love because it. there was a lot of negativity in news. So I was really trying to focus on the positive. And then this year was gratitude, which has really helped me too. Because when you're going through these scary changes, it really helps to remember everything that you have and everything right. you're grateful for. And anytime I'm in a bad situation, I always tell myself, well, I'm thankful for this. At least I have my family. I yeah. get to see the beautiful mountains every day when I drive to work. How can I not be excited about life when that's my drive every day? Totally, totally. And like, yeah, enjoying those even like small things. It's just so it can change your perspective so immensely. And the last thing I'll say too that, you know, I hope someone takes away from this is just having an abundance mindset, not to sound like, you know, some self-help, you know, whatever. Um, it's just really, I had to reflect making that transition of, cause I was always thinking worst case scenario. It was like, Oh, the scarcity mindset, like this is going to go wrong. Like I, I can't do this because of A, B and C. And I would just talk myself out of it. Like, Oh, I have too much going on, blah, blah, blah. And instead of having the abundance mindset of, well, look at all these people, you know, doing things that I want to do. There's enough abundance out there for me to also experience that if I really want it, I'm just setting these lim limiting beliefs on myself and talking myself out of it. So just sort of shifting that mindset. And it's hard. I mean, that's like, it's like a conscious effort. It's not something that it's like, oh, wake up like, oh, great. Like, look at the universe is working for me. Or like, I'm creating all these things and everything's working out, blah, blah, blah. It's very conscious effort, but that's helped me a lot being like, I can create whatever life I want for myself. And that's just really exciting because like the possibilities are endless. Yeah. One thing, I don't know where I read it, but it's really helped me is it said, if someone else has done it, they show that it's possible. Yes. So you can do it too. hundred percent, hundred percent. And that's even to, you know, the the career system in itself too is just so broken. I mean, we're seeing now all of these trends, the great resignation, quiet quitting of people really reevaluating what they want in life and seeing, hey, maybe my dream is possible. And that dream could be, hey, maybe I don't really have career aspirations, but I really want to create this sort of life for me. And it is possible. So I feel like we're sort of shifting in that mindset. And that's why too, just working, you know, with, with the 2.0 collective has just been such rewarding work because we are trying to fix that problem. That's so broken of people feeling stuck in careers, not able to explore other things, no one advocating for them and not, you know, career coaches cost thousands of dollars. And so just democratizing career advancement, development, whatever in itself has just sort of been my like larger mission, even with like network queen and all that, making people realize that like there are resources out there and the system is broken, but people are working on it and it's getting better. And 
there will be a time when I think people will have more choice and more guidance and support that will be accessible. Yeah, I'm so excited that people are doing what they want to do. We're seeing more entrepreneurs. We're seeing people doing something that they're passionate about and trying to get away from just having a job, just getting a paycheck, but actually doing something that's meaningful to them. I think too, and I'd be curious to hear if you felt this way too when leaving news. I felt like it was such rewarding work in the sense where I was helping people. And you can like, you can see the impact it has. Like you, or you get like a text about a story from the person you interviewed and, you know, it was helpful for them or, you know, the city finally like, you know, got rid of that thing blocking these people's houses so now they can live better. You know, I mean, like whatever it is. So I think that was a big part of my fear where I was like, oh my God, is anything I do next going to have meaning? And I think it was almost that opposite where maybe a lot of people search for meaning where I felt that meaning, but it was, it was draining me. So it's like finding that balance of living your life and being with your loved ones and living a life that's successful, whatever that means to you and fulfilling versus like also being able to take care of yourself and, you know, like have rest and not burn yourself out. So did you feel that way too of like, am I going to mean anything anymore? I did. That was another reason why it was hard to leave because I did feel like I was making a difference every day. And so that's why... I've tried to find different ways to do that. Like with the podcast, that's kind Mm -hmm. of my way of still making a difference. And then even with school communications, I mean, I'm making a difference in kids' lives every day and in staff and teachers' lives. Like a big part of my job is we share accomplishments. And that means a lot to people. It may not seem like a big thing, but just to congratulate someone or highlight something awesome that a teacher does could really make their day, make their year. And it's important to keep that morale up, especially with all the tough times we've had, especially in schools. Schools have really had it tough. And teaching is such a thankless job and they do so much, like they put so much out of pocket too. And just, I feel like even from the posts that I've seen and the group that we're both in, the, you know, TV to PR professionals, I think a lot of the reason people are wanting to leave news is because, I mean, this wasn't my experience. I feel very grateful, but they don't feel appreciated by their station. They feel used. They feel taken advantage of. So even like you said that like, hey, you did a good job and like you're crushing it is is huge just for morale. Like having a high morale is so necessary in the workplace. Yes. It means a lot and you don't always get that in news. And it's just because the news is never ending and it's so fast paced right. that you're already on to the next story that your boss isn't even thinking about the story that you just did. So I think it's just because of how the news industry is, it can be tough to get those thank yous. And then unfortunately, not everyone likes the news. So you yeah. get- Treated poorly out in public sometimes by people. So it really does take a toll. But I do agree that at first it's easier to see how you're making a difference in news, but it really takes kind of thinking about it and realizing that you can make a difference in so many different ways. Totally, totally. And help, you know, in ways that maybe you're even more passionate about. And, you know, I think the unfortunate reality about news is we've gotten to a point where, you know, now these sort of big corporations have swept in and, you know, bought these stations, which, you know, fine, but it's, it's a business at the end of the day. And they need to, you know, pump out more hours of TV, which means more content. So 
I, you know, feel like a lot of journalists feel that they're just putting out content to just put out content. They're not able to put as much thought into it or whatever. And then it starts to feel, yes, it's meaningful some days, but then it can feel meaningless. So I just, I'm so curious of where the industry will go and just hopeful, you know, to watch as an outsider that, you know, something will change and they'll, you know, it'll be sort of a, I don't even know how to put it. Like people will just realize the benefit of journalism again, because it's so important to a democracy. And I just, I really feel like that's being lost. People seeing the value, like you said, people will just shout nasty things and whatever it is what it is. But I hope, you know, the tide will turn and the news industry will appreciate their employees and, and make a shift. Again, I loved my stations. I was so grateful to have a very positive experience, but I know a lot of people that's, you know, not the case. So I just hope, I hope that changes. Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting. I'm curious too where it's going to go because I think as technology changes, the news has to to change with it. Right. And so TV isn't the biggest outlet anymore for people to get their news. It's their phones. So I think right. that the news is kind of in that awkward stage where it's trying to figure out how to change for the times. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how that goes. You know, we had radio, the newspaper, then TV. So what will be next? <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. And I mean, for me, that was actually a big catalyst for leaving. Like I work, you know, in tech now, you know, with this company and then in, in public relations too. I love innovation, being on the forefront of new ideas. I just think it's really interesting and fascinating. So So, you know, TV news, it's a little bit antiquated, let's be honest. I mean, people aren't sedentary anymore, just sitting down for, you know, the 10 p.m. news every night. That's just not the reality. And so I just I'm I'm hoping that there'll be some sort of shift and just some sort of mindset shift, too, because as we both know, I mean, we're two of the mass exodus that's happening with TV news right now. And it's just it's such journalism is so important. I just I hope that there's some change within the culture of the industry and only time will tell. Well, it's been so much fun talking with you. It's fun talking with someone that I can relate to so much because like I'll talk to my friends and my family about all of this, but they just don't understand. Like even though they've heard the stories when I was in news and they knew that it wasn't the best hours or pay, I don't know. People still just have this glamorous idea of what it is. So it's kind of nice to talk to someone who knows where I'm coming from. Oh, oh my God, girl, same here. Because I mean, I cannot tell you, even with family, the amount of conversations that I had of people being like, well, you know, you're, you're anchoring, you're in Charlotte, like, you don't want to like, why would you leave? And it's, it's so, you know, if I had a dollar for every gas station bathroom I got ready in, like I could retire, like people don't get or how many, you know, alleged criminals I had to knock on their doors of and or unsafe areas. That's just a part of the job. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. So but people, they don't live that they just see, oh, like you pull it off on TV and you look pretty good. Like, there you go. But it's just like, yeah, it's so refreshing. I totally agree to have someone who gets it. And I don't know if you felt this way too. Some it's it's hard when you have to feel like you have to keep justifying your like decision to people. It's like, yeah. I don't need to justify anything. Like this was a good decision, you know, as evidenced now, but when you're at first leaving and that would sort of be my like last piece of advice for anyone, like don't, that was my mistake in hindsight. I felt like when I was leaving, I had to justify this 
decision to everyone and um, sort of my my plot twist and my pivot. And it's like, you don't have to justify it to anyone. One, like you, your happiness will speak for itself. Whatever you do, you are worthy, you are valuable, you are important, and you're going to make a difference in some other way in whatever you know next step you choose. So I don't know if you had that experience too, but that was the only like really frustrating part about leaving. It was like, everyone just leave me alone. Like this is my decision. Like, yeah, I did with a couple of people. I think my husband saw how much of a toll it was taking on me. So it actually got to the point where he was telling me to leave probably two years prior to me actually leaving. And I just needed to be ready. He saw that it was draining me, but I just didn't see that. So it it just wasn't time for me yet. And my mom was the same way. She's like, you need to leave. (laughs) I'm like, but I don't want to leave. And then, yeah, two years later, I'm like, okay, I see what you guys mean. (laughs) But I did have the other people too who were like, but you're on TV. Like, that's so cool. And Mm -hmm. I also – I felt so silly that one of the reasons that I didn't want to leave was because people thought my job was cool. Oh, hundred percent. I've, I, there's, there's ego attached to it. I mean, let's be honest. Like I was not proud to say that, but there is, you know, you get like a, it's, it's not purposeful, but like if people be, Oh, what do you do? I'd be like, Oh, I work in, you know, TV news. And they, you know, ask more, what do you do? Yeah, they would like, think oh. it's cool. Yeah, they think, oh, and it's, you know, you get that reaction, they ask a bunch of questions and you get used to it. And it's kind of, it, you know, it is a little bit of an ego boost. And that that has been sort of hard to, again, I think that's another sort of reason why it gets imprinted on your identity because you have everyone asking you questions constantly and, you know, you're getting recognized in the community and it's like, yeah, it's cool, but it's cool for like, you know, five minutes of once a year, you know, <laughs> otherwise yeah. it's like, okay, well, you know, whatever I'm, I'm living in this reality day in and day out. And it's, it can be really difficult, but I mean, it's still, you know, I, and I'm sure you feel the same way. I do not regret anything about my time in news. Oh no. Like, I'm so glad I did it. I had so many totally. amazing experiences. I right. met so many amazing people. Yeah. And got to live in places you never thought, meet new people, cover like historic moments, be on the forefront of history. It's just, it's such a amazing, cool profession in some regard. So it's just, I'm so grateful for it. And, you know, now even with, um, you know, 2.0 Collective, I'm glad to share my story with other people and our members who are kind of going through this plot twist or, or they're unsure or they're wanting to try new things, whatever it may be, and being able to share my story and and give almost not permission in a sense, but no, again, like you're not alone. This is how your feeling is normal. I, and how your feeling is valid and it's going to be okay. Like you, you have that support. So if for nothing else, that's why one of the reasons I'm so excited to talk to you is because I just, I really hope people just get that takeaway that it's going to be okay. And you aren't alone. And if you need someone to talk to slide in my DMS, like, you know, we, we all got each other's back. Oh, I love it. Well, my last question that I ask all my guests is what is your favorite quote? I know there's so many good ones. (laughs) So many good ones. One that sticks out to me that might be a little controversial is happiness is a choice. And I love that. Yeah. It's, 
And I want to acknowledge too that there are a lot of people who are in this world who are going through horrible, horrible things. And that's a lot of the times not a case or people who are dealing with, you know, mental health issues. Like I'm not, I'm more talking about the sort of gratitude aspect when I say that, like you can shape your perspective however you want. You know, you can either wake up and choose to sort of lie in that state of, oh, I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm in this rut and blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm going to sort of like sit in this negativity or you can like try to take steps to change your perspective even like, yeah, maybe I'm in this rut or I'm sort of in this period of like not knowing what I'm going to do next. But how exciting that I could be on the brink of like my dreams or trying something new, just sort of that like slight shift in perspective. I really think you can consciously choose to, you know, be responsible for your own happiness in some cases. Yeah. I feel like if you focus on the positive of the day, then your day is going to be better. But if you focus on all the negative things happening, then you're not going to have a good day because you're just focusing on the negative that you may be blind to all the great things that you had going on that day. So that's something I always try to tell myself. Even if it's a bad day, I try to find at least one positive thing that I could take out of the day. Totally. And then it shifts your entire perspective. And it's like, okay, like, yeah, sometimes bad things happen. But still, I'm have I'm very blessed. I get to like live this life like I, you know, have loving husband, like all the all the things a dog, maybe whatever. And it's like, hey, this is it's it's gonna be okay. And you can you know, I, I rather live in, in happiness than in negativity if I have the choice. Again, I know a lot of people don't have that choice. But if you do, definitely try to capitalize on it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for coming on the podcast. And I know that your story is going to help so many people. So thank you so much. I'm just so excited for people to hear your story. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'm so, again, what you're doing too is just so incredible spreading the, the, you know, this positivity and, you know, storytelling, it's what connects us all. So I just think it's really, you know, again, if one person can listen to this and, you know, feel even an ounce better, like that's, That's a big W, so I'm excited. But thank you for having me. Network, think positive thoughts, and practice gratitude. These are great reminders to live by. Before interviewing my guests, I have them fill out a pre-interview questionnaire with some questions we'll talk about during the show just to give both of us a better idea of what we'll talk about. I loved one of the answers that Alex gave. We didn't end up getting into it during this conversation, but I think it's very inspirational, so I wanted to share it with you guys. This is her answer to the question, what have you learned from your plot twist? She says, subtracting something from your life that no longer serves you isn't a failure. It's one of the bravest things you can do for your own personal growth. So try to block out the noise and listen to your gut. I love that so much. As I've gotten older, I've learned just how important it is to follow my gut. Early 20s Miranda really wishes that I would have done more of that. I'll leave links in the show notes to where you can follow Alex and her group, Network Queen. She's on Facebook and Instagram at Network Queen. That's N-E-T-W-O-R-K-Q-N. For extra content from this episode and others, including photos that go along with each guest's stories, head to PlotTwistStory.com and click on the Stories tab. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I know you probably hear this on every podcast, but I'd really appreciate it if you rated and reviewed my podcast on Spotify or Apple. It's a simple way that you can help support any podcaster that you listen to, and it helps more people hear about the show. 
If you have a plot twist you'd like to share, I'd love to hear it. You can email me. My email is plottwiststory at gmail.com. Until the next episode, remember, it's your story, so feel free to hit them with a plot twist whenever you want.